you're grateful for the work of Jesus Christ, the completed, finished work of Jesus Christ. Come on, put your hands together and say amen today. Amen. As you return to your seats, as you return to your seats, grab your Bibles with me today. I'm going to go to two spots, John chapter 4 and Luke chapter 11. John chapter 4 and Luke chapter 11. As we, as we get there, can we just take a moment and just put our hands together and thank God for everyone who serves in this ministry in some form or fashion. Those who, who serve in greeting and in children's ministry and with our media and sound and on, on the stage. Can you put your hands together and say thank you? Amen. I just, I, I, I am grateful in a month that, uh, I don't know who designated this as Past Appreciation Month, but somebody did somewhere along the way. Uh, I feel it's an opportunity for me to show my appreciation for those who I can't do ministry without. I, I, my calling is to, is to preach the word of God to you, to, to pray over you, to believe with you, but I can't do all these other things without the help of those who serve. So, so thank you, Lord, for everyone who rises up early so I can come late. Come on, somebody. Hello. <laughs> thank you for everybody who works so hard and, and diligently and, and serves without any thought of reward because that is true Christianity. Can I get an amen? Amen. What I want to do just for a moment longer, if you can, because I, I realize there's a, a lot of sickness happening right now. And I, want to, I just want you to agree with me for health, for all of our family members that are suffering today. Can you just lift your hands just for a moment longer? The blood of Jesus was not just shed for my sin. The blood of Jesus, the stripes he took upon his back specifically, are the guarantee of my healing. So right now, we release healing power against every virus, against all bad bacteria, against every bit of flu and sickness. The blood of Jesus is still greater than COVID-19, 20, 21, 22, and anything else that might come because the blood of Jesus is eternal. This thing will pass. So God, we pray right now in faith that you would release healing for anyone that is at home sick but watching, anyone who's struggling even in this place today. May they feel a healing touch, the, the fire of heaven, consuming that disease and bringing supernatural strength. Receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all God's people who believe in the healing power of Jesus say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we can here just for a moment, I'll have you stand again in just a moment. Okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get our up-downs in here in just a moment. Before. But before we do, I, I, I just have a quick question. Have, have you ever tried to do life without Jesus? Have you ever tried to do life without Jesus? Anybody got a testimony that it just didn't work? Tiana, give them that, give that quick video real quick. This is what it feels like trying to do life without Jesus, right? Come on, somebody, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. Come on, life without Jesus. Life without Jesus. Life without Jesus. This is awful right here. I feel so bad for that guy. Oh, God, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, right. There you go. There you go. Life without Jesus. That's what it feels like many times, right? Just, just chaos and, and everything just going wrong, and I thought I could do it myself. What I want to try to do here today with this, this new series is, is I want you to allow Jesus to be the one to not only lead your life, but to fill your life every single day. And we have, of course, we have a, a major holiday fast approaching, right? All Hallow's Eve, Halloween. Coming here Re really quick. Like, and, and honestly, I don't really care what spectrum you fall on. You can be just so liberal. You don't even care. You celebrate everything fine. You can be so staunch, uh, 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 you know, conservative and, and, and real religious about this. It's the devil's holiday. How dare Christians, you might be somewhere in the middle and just say, I'll redeem anything and, and use it for the glory of God. I, I don't really care where you stand, okay? I, I just recognize with, with this holiday fast approaching that I felt the Spirit of God leading me to, to tackle this subject. And so I've aptly named this, this series we're going to be ministering on Haunted Houses. I'm not talking about Casper up in your attic, ladies and gentlemen, okay? 
uh, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm talking about this. I was reading this article the other day from Times News Mag- uh, Magazine, and, and it, the headline read this. It said, most American Christians do not believe that Satan or the Holy Spirit exist. Most American Christians do not believe in Satan or the Holy Ghost. What Bible are they reading, y'all? Good Lord, they're both all over this book. Most American Christians do not even believe. Preachers don't even preach about Satan or don't even talk about the Spirit of God. And I was, I was dumbfounded by this because you know what I realized? If most Americans don't believe in Satan, you know who does? If most Americans don't believe in the Holy Ghost, you know who does? Jesus! Because nobody talked about them more than Jesus. Now if you'll stand your feet with me, amen? Stand your feet with me. Here we go. Luke 11. Luke 11. You can't talk about haunted houses without going to this text right here, okay? Verse 14. One day, Jesus was casting out a demon. Clearly he believes in them. He's casting out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. So this, this demon had clearly made the man mute. It shut up his ability to to speak. Listen to me. This is why we take extra time to get loud and raise our voices. Because if Satan's always trying to do anything, he's trying to keep you silent. Because there's a power in your words. There's power in your praise. So he wants you to just stand there and say nothing at all. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a Bears fan and if they can ever get their offense figured out, if they can start to score, you're not going to stand there silent. You're going to open your mouth and say something. Hello, somebody. But this demon had caused this man to be mute. So when the demon had come out of the man, the man began to speak. And the crowds were amazed. But some of them, now Luke doesn't say this, but Matthew tells us from this exact reference, Matthew tells us it wasn't just some people, it was the Pharisees. Some say the religious folk, right? The religious leaders, the Pharisees. They begin to say, no one, or no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. I love verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts. Woo! They weren't they were a crowd of people. They were just voicing it to themselves. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Listen to me, family. There is nothing you can hide from your Savior. He sees it all, hears it all, knows it all. I thought I got away with it. Maybe your wife don't know, but Jesus does. Come on, somebody. He knew their thoughts, and so he said, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. You say, I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? It just makes no sense. And if I am empowered by Satan, then what about your own sons, your own exorcists? If they cast out demons, then they will be the ones to condemn you for what you have said. Literally, by whose power are they casting out Satan? They're going to condemn you in their own exorcisms. They're going to condemn what you said because it's not Satan that is empowering them. It's the power of God. Look what he says next. If I am casting out demons by the, whoo, look how much, look how much power there is in your, in your heavenly father, ladies and gentlemen. I think we forget sometimes how powerful he really is. He, he says this. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger, come on, come on. But, but I mean, God just got to do this and every demon in hell is done, okay? But if I cast them out by the finger of God, then the kingdom has come to you. And he goes on to, to give him a quick parable. When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. So he's saying, hey, Satan is strong. 
demonic power is strong. And, and they are fully armed. And they are guarding what, what belongs to them. That's what they're doing. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Now Jesus is talking about himself. Someone stronger. So verse 24, here it is. This is these are the theme verses now for the series. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, an evil spirit, a demonic spirit, it goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. So it returns and find that its former home, hey, is swept and in order. Well, hallelujah. Thank God. Finally got your bedroom clean. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Someone sanitized the bathroom. Praise the Lord. This thing is clean. It's, everything is in order. But look what happens next. Because just getting your life in order isn't enough. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and dwell. They live there. And so that person is worse off than he was before. Just pray with me now. Heavenly Father, allow this truth to get beyond just our heads and into our hearts. I pray today that the seed I sow would be seed that falls on good soil. Would somebody do me a favor? Lay your hand on your heart and just say, my heart is good soil. Yeah. Jesus taught us that when, he, when the sower sows seeds, here's what happens. Quarter of it falls by the wayside and, and Satan snags it up. That's Satan trying to steal this word from your heart today. Another quarter of it falls into to rocky places. So, so it, it, you, you spring with joy. You're all excited about the word, but it doesn't last because you don't have a root system. The other quarter of it ultimately falls among the, the weeds and, and it grows with the weeds, but the weeds, the cares of life choke out the power of this word. But Jesus does say 25% of it will fall on good soil. So declare over your heart, my heart is good soil. The enemy can't have this. Despair can't have this. Even me getting excited about it, but forgetting it, it can't have this. This is going to grow in my heart and my life. And I'm going I'm to produce everything God has designed me to produce in this season of life. Can I get an amen? amen? You may be seated today. You may be seated. John, let's go back to verse 24. Okay, there it is. Thank you. I'm going to hang out in verse 24 for a little bit, okay? Anybody, can anybody give me, uh, anybody give me 20 minutes today? Anybody give me 20 minutes? Can I get 25? I got 25. I got, I got 30 over there. Anybody give me 30? 35, 35, 40, 40, 45, 45, 50, 50. Was that, was that Derek? Was that? Was that? De Derek, you know, the only person who appreciates you saying that is me. Yeah. I'm the only one who loves hearing Derek say, take your time, Pastor, because I know the rest of you are just like, please don't, Pastor. Please don't. My, my stomach is grumbling. Guess what? If it's grumbling now, it'll still be grumbling when I'm done. You showed up in the house of God today. Come on, somebody. I've got truth for your spirits. I've got life for your soul. It's found in the word of God. Besides, the bears aren't playing today anyway. And even if they were, my sermon would be done before they figure out how to score. Come on, somebody. All right? Praise the Lord. Four things I want to show you from, from verse 24. Verse 24, look again with me. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. So it says, I will return to the house I left. First thing I want to show you is this real quick, the unclean spirit. Unclean spirits, they're just, they're just demons. What are demons? Demons are those evil fallen angels that ultimately agreed with Lucifer and got kicked out of heaven with Lucifer in his failed coup to overthrow the almighty God. 
The Bible tells us this in, in Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon, speaking of Satan, was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil or Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. Notice Satan's job description. To deceive the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So this is what Jesus is speaking about, an unclean spirit. And I need you to know this. Yes, demons are your enemies, but guess what? Because of Jesus, they are your defeated enemy. 1 John 3, 8 says, the devil has been sinning from the very start. That is why the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of Satan. Amen. So we see the unclean angels in verse, 20, uh, in verse 24. We also see the man. The man is referenced to mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know this, you are God's crowning achievement. There is nothing greater in all of creation in God's eyes than you. He loves you more than anything. Why? Because you and you alone are the only thing made in his image and in his likeness. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us, God the Father, the Word, we know him as Jesus when he took on human flesh. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. So here's what this verse is telling us. When God made us, he designed us as spirit beings, because that's what God is, with a soul living in a body. I remember I showed you the three dimensions of the tabernacle last week. You are three-dimensional. You are spirits with a soul living in a body. All I can see right now is your body. Praise the Lord. Yeah, keep it closed, amen. And keep a smile on your face, please. Yeah, but I can't see your spirit or your soul, but I can surely tell what's going on in there by how you're responding to the word, how you respond to worship, how you are falling after Christ. So the man here is referenced to us, we who are made in God's image. God is spirit. We are spirit, just living in a body. Which leads me to verse, the rest part of 24. The demon says, I'm gonna return to the house house. Here's where things begin to get interesting, okay? Jesus isn't talking about your address, the place you live in, your apartment building, your, your, uh, your single family home. He's not, he's not talking about your physical house. He's letting us know that your body is a habitation. It's a, it's a home. It's a, the body is the place where your spirit dwells. So guess what that means? If, you, if your spirit dwells here, other spirits can dwell there as well. Okay. Maybe you don't know this about demons, but in order for a demon to dwell on earth, it has to inhabit a living being. It has, has to find something alive for it to dwell in. So, if you don't repent of your sins, if you don't confess Jesus as both Savior and Lord, guess what's going to happen? Your body will become a likely candidate for a visitation from something demonic. You need to confess your sins and not just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, lead me. Jesus, help me. Well, here's what I want you to see. Jesus makes this very clear. My house. My house. If I don't want demonic habitation in my house, Jesus makes it clear that a reformed lifestyle won't keep demons out. Look at, looking at verse 25, okay? The demon comes back to find that the former home is swept and in order. Whew! I wish that was 
my living room and my kitchen after my kids got done eating. Come on, somebody. Swept it in order. No. No, that's not what happens. And then I get mad, and I pull out the vacuum cleaner, and I'm huffing and puffing. I didn't make this mess. Whose dishes are these? Come on, my kids can say amen. I know I didn't make it. I've been fasting today. What's going on here? But the demon sees that the house is swept in order. What Jesus is telling us is that that's not enough. I can clean up my life. I can scrub my soul clean. I can literally throw out the trash of sin in my life. I can act spiritual. I can go to church. I can make better life choices. But Jesus said that's not enough to keep the enemy out. Just because your house is swept and in order lets the enemy know it's empty. And any empty building, whoo, a tenant can move right in. Here's the other thing he tells me. Not only, not only is, is a reformed lifestyle not enough, he also tells me that religion won't keep those demons out either. Let me go back to verse 15. Go back, go back to verse 15. Who are the people that are challenging Jesus the most? The most religious people. His biggest problem wasn't Satan or demons. Jesus' constant problem was religious folk. I can see why they don't like me, because I'm trying to be like Jesus. That's why they don't like you and condemn you. And I'm so amazed that there are so many Christians always coming after other Christians doing the work of Satan for him. So Jesus makes religion won't keep the demons out. These Pharisees were the most religious people ever and they thought that they could substitute their own good works and their own good intentions to replace obeying the word of God. Oh, I see it in this generation all the time. Well, uh, God understands. I've got good intention. I've got a good heart. I, 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 I give in the offering once a year, and, and, and I help feed the homeless when I send my, my, my wife and children to, to, to minister at Hesed House. I, I, I've got good intentions. That should be enough. You cannot substitute your good intentions for obedience to the Word of God. Oh, this generation is ignoring me today. Hallelujah. You think your works are good enough. Obedience is what God is looking for, not good intentions. So Jesus makes it clear, your religion is not enough. In fact, in verse 38 of Matthew 12, Jesus looks at the religious crowd because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious people, they say to Jesus, teacher, if you really have this authority, we want to see a sign. Give us a sign that you really are from God. And Jesus gets ticked off. And you know what he calls them? You wicked and adulterous generation. He calls them wicked and adulterous. Because only a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign. So reformed lifestyles won't keep demons out. Religion won't keep demons out. Jesus makes it clear the only thing that will work is to replace the bad tenant with the holy one. Your life isn't transformed by kicking demons out. Your life is transformed when you invite in the presence of the Holy Spirits. 2 Timothy 1.4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, excuse me, 1.14, he says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. How do I guard this thing? I guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. I, I can't keep the enemy out by just hoping he'll stay away. I've got to invite in a brand new tenant to live and dwell in place of what used to be there. And the Holy Spirit will help me. He will guard the thing God has entrusted me with. And ladies and gentlemen, maybe no one has ever told you this before, but I need you to know that God, 
the Almighty, the Elohim, the El Shaddai, the creator of the cosmos, the everlasting God, desires to have a personal relationship with you. Of all the things that he has to manage, he still wants to dwell with you. Who? Who's the most important person in your life that you that you have you can't get a hold of that you can't 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 reach out to? You pastor, sorry. You don't have my number for a reason. Because I'm not the most important person in your life. There's someone greater you can call on any time, and you don't need his phone number. And God desires to be the most important person. He desires to dwell with you. I was going to elaborate on this, so I'm going to be real quick, because you, if you were part of our life groups Wednesday or Friday, and if you haven't yet signed up, please be a part. Okay? Can I get an amen from life groups? Okay, come on. Do life with us. Do life with us. In our life groups, we were talking about how God always desires to, to dwell in a temple. He's always going to dwell in a temple. Always. Someone say always. Oh, He's always going to dwell in a temple. When he created the heavens and the earth, the Bible tells us the heavens are his throne. The earth is his footstool. When he creates the Garden of Eden, Eden becomes a type of garden temple where he dwells with Adam. From creation to, if you will, to, to the point of, of, of Eden, God is looking to dwell, temple, with mankind. Then we move on from the tabernacle, which I talked about last, last week. God is, is with the people, his people, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites. He's with them, dwelling in a temporary place called a tabernacle until Solomon, King Solomon, finally builds the first permanent structure called the temple. Because all, God always wants to dwell in a temple. Now, if you know anything about history, that temple that man built got destroyed multiple times. So guess what happened? God showed us a new and better way because he's always going to dwell in a temple. So up arrives a man named Emmanuel, Jesus, which means God with us. And he desires to tabernacle or literally dwell with humanity. So from Jesus to us, 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know? That you are not your own. Your body is the temple. God always desires to dwell in a temple. So there's no longer a temple in Jerusalem, if you will, that, that God dwells in. He has moved from temples made with man's hands into the one that he made with his hands. And he says, this is where I've always wanted to dwell anyway. Do you not know that your body is not your own? You have been filled with the Holy Ghost and he is in you. Therefore glorify God with your body. I have been filled by the Holy Ghost. My body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know who understands that God always wants to dwell in the temple? Your adversary. Satan knows this. Satan hates this. And guess who has the biggest major inferiority complex in all of history? The devil. That's why he keeps trying to occupy where God always dwells. He tried to take his throne and got his butt kicked out of heaven. He, he's done everything he can to, to disrupt and, and deceive and, and destroy every temple that God ever desired to dwell in within human history. And now God desires to dwell within you. And Satan has this major inferiority complex, and he's trying to occupy God's dwelling places. Can I tell you the main difference between God and Satan? Here's your main difference. God wants to dwell with you. Satan wants to possess 
you. Oh, you see the difference? God is relational. I want to dwell with you. But Satan wants to possess. He wants to be in control. Ooh, there is a big difference between a relational God and one who's trying to control every aspect of my life. If I, if I know anything about the enemy, he's always going to seek to haunt you. But if I know anything about the Spirit of God, he's always going to seek to inhabit you and help you. Can you just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for sending your Holy Spirit to dwell within me, to, to help me, to heal me, to remind me who I am in Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Come on, Americans. I know the majority of us don't believe in him, but are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Go back to verse 24 real quick. Let me, let me, let me kind of wrap this up here. Verse 24. It says that when the unclean spirit comes out of a man, it goes through dry places. Someone say dry places. Dry places. Jesus says that demons walk through dry places. Can I just take a moment? Can I talk about dry places? Here's, my, here's really my question. Are you a dry place? Could it be that the demons right now have the right just to walk all over your life because you are a dry place? Hmm. Feels a little dry in here. That's because the heat's on, Pastor. No, that's because I can sense your spirit. It's become a dry place. Can we just be honest for a moment? Does anybody like dry things? I, I can't handle dry food. L listen to me. I don't care how good your food is. If it's dry, I'm like, give me some sour cream. It's delicious, but I can't taste nothing. It's so dry. Nobody likes dry places. Come on. You do not go to, to a fancy restaurant and really just overly tip your dry waiter. How can I help you? You could get a little personality first, maybe. I wish I was at Chick-fil-A, because at least they'd be like, my pleasure, once I'm done. Nobody likes, come on, nobody likes dry customer service. What do you want? To talk to somebody else, please. No, nobody, nobody wants a dry relationship. Honey, let's go to dinner for two hours and just completely ignore each other. Say, What? Nobody wants a dry relationship. We want some passion and some fire. And so, ooh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Make it biblical, Lord. Amen. Pump the brakes, God. Okay, pump the brakes. Nobody wants a dry church or a dry preacher. Can I get an amen? No. You're boring and I'm napping. No. Nobody wants dry. In fact, you know what the Bible tells us? And I need you to know this, Christian. I need you to know this. The Bible tells me that Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. You better hear me, Christian. It is hard to believe that Jesus gave you life and life more abundantly when all I see is you acting so soul-destroying, mind-numbingly, vapid, stuffy, stale, and boring. What kind of life and life more abundantly are you preaching, bro? I don't want to know that. 
this Christian life looks boring based on how you're acting. Nobody is attracted to dryness except I said nobody is attracted to your dryness except I didn't say it. When the unclean spirit comes out of a man, it goes into dry places. Demons are drawn to dry places. Maybe I'll get to this, but when Jesus cast legion out of the man of the Gadarenes, they say, don't let us leave the area. So they go into a herd of pigs. But guess what? The pigs weren't going to run into the wilderness because the pigs wanted nothing to do with demonic possession. Guess where they run to? When the dry place, I don't know, demons can't swim, I guess, I don't know. But they want nothing to do with water. They love dry places. So if you want the devil to be walking through your house, let it get dry. If you want the devil to be walking through your marriage, let it get dry. If you want the devil walking through your anointing and your calling and your ministry and your church, then let it get dry. Go ahead. In contrast, when the Holy Spirit is first introduced in the book of Genesis, notice what he's sitting on. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God sat upon the face of the agua. He sat on top of the water. What? I don't even know how to say plural waters in Spanish. Aguas? Just had an S? Come on, somebody. Speaking in Espanol tongue today. Hallelujah. He sat over the, he sat on top of the water. You know what this shows me? It shows me that there is a correlation between spirit and water. One is natural. One is supernatural. It's, science tells us, if, you, if any scientist in the room, science tells us that if there's evidence of water, then there's the potential for life. Scripture tells me where there's spirit, there is most definitely the potential for life and liberty. So if the spirit and the water are connected, it makes sense why demons only want to hang out in dry places. Can I tell you that if I was Satan and I was trying to get access to your life, you know what I would do? I would do everything I could to keep you dry. Revelation 12, 12, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. This dude is mad because he knows he has a short time. If I was the enemy, I would do everything I could to keep you dry. Why do you think Satan is doing everything he can to keep you tired? Why do you think he's doing everything he can to keep you weary and worried and bored? Why do you think Satan is doing everything he can to keep you burnt out? Come on, Chris. This is one term we use in church all the time. Why do you think Satan is trying to keep you burnt out? He's trying to keep you dry. Let me take it deeper. Why do you think the enemy is always trying to keep you offended? He's trying to keep you dry. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. Church hurt. Pastor hurt me. He didn't return my phone call. He don't, he don't talk to me enough. I'm wounded. I'm offended. Satan is trying to keep you there because if he keeps you there, he can keep you dry and he can, he can set up permanent residence. He's got but a short time, so he's doing everything he can to, to, to keep you 
isolated. Is, is scripture a lie when it says that two are better than one? Is scripture a lie when it says that the threefold cord is not quickly broken? If Michael and I were to score off right now, you know, it'd be a pretty even match. I'm going to be honest, Michael might get me. But if I brought in Dylan, me and Dylan together, we might be able to overpower Michael. But me and Dylan and Devin, come on, somebody. Jessica will pray for him afterwards. Do you understand why the enemy's trying to keep you isolated? Because if it's just you and him, ooh, he's, he can get you. He can take you out. But when you're united to the body of Christ... So he's doing everything he can to keep you isolated. Because I've got you isolated, I can keep you dry. There's no, no one's challenging you, trying to help you be better if you're always all alone. I'm helping myself. And who's noticing? Who's even there to praise your efforts or correct your efforts? I know it's good. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to expose the, the bull crap the enemy's been forcing on your life for a long time. He's trying to keep you dry. And that's why you've lost your passion. That's why you've lost your joy. That's why you've lost your praise. That's why you've lost your gratitude. Why? Because you're dry. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm saying you're dry. Every time that Satan had access to my life, Pastor Olga, it's because I became dry. Not my church. Not the service, not my calling. It wasn't Michael's fault. It wasn't Pastor Olga's fault. She wasn't praying for me enough. No, I became dry because of my choices. I walked into that dry place. Here's how David said it one time. He said this in Psalm 68, 6. He said, the rebellious dwell. Crap. That means every time I quit reading the word, studying the word, every time I quit praying, every time I quit worshiping, every time I spent more time in front of the TV instead of in front of this book right here, every time I, I was on social media so much longer than I was seeking the face of, every time, listen, every time that I did something crazy, I was in a dry place. Every time I wanted revenge, I was in a dry place. I need some help here today. Every time I slept in on the Lord's day, Which I don't do, just so you know. But I'm just kind of substituting myself for you. I just, need a, I just need a little extra rest. Well, then go to bed early Saturday night so you can still get up for a 10.30 service, which I'm sure starts a lot later than your job anyway on Monday. Dang, Pastor, come up for me today. I'm coming for your dryness. You've made excuses for yourself. And you don't even see the deceit. You're dry, baby. Get some sour cream on that thing. You're dry. Pastor Olga, every time that I stopped serving, I stopped giving, I stopped loving, I stopped forgiving, I was in a dry place. Every time I came to church and hoped the worship team would stir it up enough to where I could finally, oh, whew. Thank God. They, I've been waiting for them to sing this song for months now. They finally got to it. Every time I was in a dry place, I was the one who got me there. I put myself 
there. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't even care how much you hate being in a dry place. God won't fill you until you get thirsty. Come on, Rev. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6. Why? God is not going to do anything for you until you find, decide. My, this, I'm tired of this dry place. What I need is something to quench my thirst. And God promises the moment you decide to get thirsty and hungry for righteousness, that's when the infilling begins to happen. And I need a drink anyway. Let me give you one quick example. I'm done. John 4, 6. Jesus, you have your Bible, John 4. I told you to turn to the beginning. Now I'm here. Jesus was weary from his journey, so he sat by Jacob's well. It's about the sixth hour. Noon. It was noon. The hottest point of the day, okay? No one comes to draw water at noon. It's too hot. Except for this woman with her shame and her pain. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Verse 9, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God, the, the gift that God has for you, if you only knew who you were speaking to right now, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. Now, she's coming to the well because she's thirsty. She's, she's coming to the well at this time of day, because there's shame on her life. And all the women come in the morning to draw water, but this woman comes at noon alone. Whoo, this is setting up something so good, y'all. Verse 13, Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water from this well that you come to will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Why? Because this water I give becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And come on, somebody. I wish there were more people like this woman. Sir, give me this water that I will never be thirsty again. Now, I want you to notice this. Jesus is about to shift this conversation. I don't have it up there, so you have to bear with me, okay? He begins to shift this conversation because Jesus knows she's in a dry place. She's not just thirsty. For physical water, she's in a dry place spiritually. So Jesus shifts the conversation. He tells her, hey, I'll give you this water, but go and get your husband first. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. And she's like, well, of course you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with now, you're not even married to. And she's like, dang, I perceive this man to be a prophet. Now, she doesn't even know what's happening right here, but she unknowingly walks right into the conversation that Jesus wanted to have with her all along. Because she starts talking about worship. So Jesus makes it clear. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Verse 22. We worship what we do know. Verse 23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is 
spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, hold on, time out. Wait, wait. Weren't we just talking about water? This whole conversation was about water. Then how did we get on the subject of worship? Oh, maybe, just maybe, Derek, this whole conversation was never about water. Maybe what I've been preaching to you for the last 40 plus minutes now, my, my clock is off. Maybe what I've been preaching about this whole time isn't about water at all. Maybe it's about something deeper, something more powerful, something more eternal. Maybe this conversation that Jesus was having with this woman is a conversation I've been trying to have with you. Maybe worship is the water the Holy Spirit is always looking to rest on. Maybe the reason Jesus can't dwell with me is because my worship is cry. Oh, you're mad at God. I, I can't feel his presence anymore. I can't sense him anymore. When I used to, first used to come to church, I could feel him all the time. Now I can't feel him. Maybe God is still God, but your worship to God has become stale and dry. Oh, I, I expect at least some worshipers in this house to put their hands together and help me out. Come on, worshipers. Come on. Maybe I go to worship service. But am I really worshiping? Maybe I sing the worship songs, but am I really worshiping? Maybe I go through all the worship motions and I throw up my hands in worship and I shout out in worship, but am I really worshiping? Can I tell you what I've learned? If I have no worship, God has no place to sit. Okay, Psalms 22, I'll show you where I got it from. Psalms 22, verse 3. But you are holy. Oh, you who inhabit, enthroned, you sit on the praises of Israel. If I have no worship, God has no place to rest. If I have no worship, he's got no place to be enthroned. He sits on his eternal throne. But in my life, if I've got no worship, God has no place. He can sit himself down. Here's the problem with most American Christians. We have been trying our best to get God to sit in our complaints. We've been trying our best to get God to sit in our frustrations. We've been trying our best to get God to sit in our disobedience. We've been trying our best to get God to sit in our bad attitudes. But you need to know only worship. Worship, only true worship, spirit and truth will give God a place to sit down and be enthroned in your life. Jesus said this, the Father right now is actively seeking. He's searching, seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Hear me right now. He's looking up and down your world right now. He's saying, can I find any worshipers? He's looking in that hallway right now because maybe you're not in here. Maybe you're not, uh, can I find any worshipers? God, I believe right now he's, he's going through this entire building. Maybe you'll find it over there with impact kids or in the nursery. But are there any true worshipers in this house today? I need somebody to throw up your hands and let God know. Don't look any further, Father. What you're looking for, you will find in my life. Come on, throw up those hands in this place. God, we make a decision today to water our worship. We're tired of being dry. The only thing that's attracted to dryness is demons. But the Trinity, the triune God, is drawn to water. He's drawn to where there's thirst. So Jesus tells this woman at the well, he says, give me a drink of water. No, 
No, not of water. When he's hanging on the cross, he says, I thirst. Do you want some water? No. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know this in your spirit today. You need to know that while you are sitting there with your hands folded, with a scowl on your face, checking your cell phone, acting like God doesn't really matter, acting like he doesn't deserve genuine worship, you need to know that Jesus is saying to somebody's spirit, give me a drink. Give me me a drink give me the worship i deserve all over this room stand your feet with me stand your feet with me stand your feet with me stand your feet with me. come on stand your feet with me stand your feet with me heavenly father we're making it a choice here today to give you worship ladies and gentlemen i know you can sing but can you worship i i know you're gifted but can you worship I know some of you can preach, but can you worship? I know you can serve, but can you worship? I know you can give, but can you worship God today? With every hand raised all over this room. Father, we move beyond. Turn me up, David. Make sure we got me good. We move beyond what we are feeling. We move beyond our, our, our own dryness right now. And we make the decision to worship you in spirits and in truth. I know you've been dry. I know you've been dry, ladies and gentlemen, but Jesus is saying, even in your dryness, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Why? Because if you give me a drink, I'll give you a drink of a water that will quench the thirst of your soul. Uh, Jesus is telling us today, if you give me to drink, I will give you what you've been searching for. I'll give you what life could never, could never produce, the, the things that never satisfy. I will give you everlasting water everlasting life father we choose today in these moments to seek after what you desire not what we need what you desire and jesus says i thirst give me a drink if you will give me a drink i will give you that living water i know somebody came here to receive today but you won't fully receive until you start to give back out jesus promised you this if you will give back out it will come back to you a good measure pressed down shaking together and overflowing like water dust Come back in your life. Can you come on, throw up your hands. Throw up your hands with me and worship. Come on, worshipers. Come on, worshipers. Don't stay silent. Worship. Worship your way out of this dry place. 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 I'm tired of having a parched mouth spiritually. I'm worshiping my way out of a dry place. I'm tired of being bored in the presence of God. I'm worshiping my way out out of a dry place I'm tired of the enemy running havoc in my life because I've let my life become a dry place I hunger and thirst after God today worship your way out of a dry place Jesus I sent you today I sent you today ladies and gentlemen demons are territorial and they're fully armed and they're ready to literally guard what they possess. And if they own you right now, or if they own some aspect of your thinking, some aspect of your, of your worship, they're going to continue to guard what they believe is theirs. 
but you need to know there is a stronger man who is showing up today and his name is the living word of God and I feel a refreshing coming to someone's spirit today I feel a freedom coming today because Jesus isn't just gonna free you he's going to fill you come on this is what makes the difference if I'm free but I'm not filled then the enemy's gonna grab seven of his buddies and they're gonna leave my life worse than it was before but if I get free because whom the Sun sets free is free indeed and then I get filled with the Holy Ghost don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Ghost if I get filled the dry areas of my life are gonna come saturated overwhelmed inundated refreshed renewed in the presence of the living God I need somebody to know here today stop letting your life be a demonic apartment complex stop it stop it I believe the stronger man is here today and I believe he's got an eviction notice for every demon that has tried to keep you in a dry place. He's got an eviction notice for every spirit that's trying to keep you and your money dry and your calling dry and your anointing dry and your worship dry. Jesus is here to say, it's time to get out. Someone holler, get out, devil. Come on, speak to that dry air. Say, get out, devil. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my money. Get out of my future. Get out of my family. No more generational curses. I break them. Get out. Get out. Get out in the name of Jesus. Get out. I choose today to worship in spirit and in truth. Help me just for a moment along with every hand raised. With every hand raised. We speak to every dry place in your life. In fact, I'm going to ask the people who have You've just been dry for too long. Been dry for too long. Can you take a step of faith and jump out of that seat and join me down here? Come on, join me down here. Join me down here. Join me down here. Join me, come on. Come out of that seat, come on. Come out of your dry place, come on. Come on, come on. Do it, turn these speakers in my guy. Turn these speakers, I wanna make sure we'll get, turn. Come down here, come on. Come on. No more dry places so the enemy can run over my life. Come on, that's you. You made that choice to take the step of faith. Come on, I'm choosing to let my worship, my worship, be a place of watering, a place of habitation for God to sit and be enthroned and dwell. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If this isn't for you, I, I love you. Make sure you give God your offering. God bless you. You can go on your way. But I'm speaking to dry places right now. No more. No more. No more. We're ready to be saturated with the presence of God. No more letting the enemy have his way in my life, in my mind, in my passion, with my joy. So especially no more Satan tell me how I'm going to worship this great God of mine. No more. No more dry places. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Help me now. If you're in this room and you're not in a dry place, throw up your hands real high and just praise God with me. Come on. If you're not in a dry place, praise God. If you're in a dry place, throw up your hands and give God what he is worthy of. Because the Bible makes it very clear. If I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things I need will be added back to my life anyway. So I give God what he's worthy of so God can give me what I don't even deserve. I give God this my, my worship so that God can give me living water and uh, overflow my life right now. Father, I thank you for how you are stirring it up these dry places 
You're letting us know you don't want to leave us here. You've got a greater dwelling place for us. I don't have to worry about the enemy running all over my life anymore. He won't find any space here because I'm a well-watered, well-saturated, Holy Ghost overflowing vessel. The Spirit of God alone dwells within me, overflows out of me. No more. No more. No more. Help me all over this room, even if you weren't brave enough to come to this altar. But you know the dry areas of your life. Just come here and I'll say, Father, I confess every area of my life that has become dry. I take ownership of where I am. But I thank you, Lord, that you're not going to leave me here. In your love, in your grace, you are drawing me closer to you. Today, I'm ready to not only be free, but to be filled. To be filled with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me now till I overflow. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, we're not giving Satan any more place. We're not giving the devil any more room. No more. I'm a well-watered, well-saturated area. Demons are leaving today. Demonic power is leaving today. But I promise you, when he's in that dry place, he's going to come back. And if your house is swept and in order, praise God. But if it's not filled, he's going to say, now I got a clean house. Now I got more space to get seven of my buddies. And we're going to make your life worse. I don't tell you this to live in fear. I tell you this to live in freedom by staying filled with the Spirit of God. So, what does that look like? I, 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 this is my favorite point of my whole entire message. I know I've been preaching a long time. I'm already 16 minutes over. But I, I, could, I couldn't let you leave without telling you this. How do I tap into the kind of living water that keeps devils away? How do I tap into living water? Can I tell you how? Jesus taught us in John 7. Got that from Tiana. On the last day. What day? What day? The, the last day of that great feast. Now, John doesn't tell us what we know what this is. This is the, the feast of Sukkoth. The feast of tabernacles. It's a seven-day party. You don't, y'all don't know that God likes to party. You, you, don't, you don't know that that's why you're running the club to party. Come on, because you don't know that God loves to party just in a way that, that you don't feel a terrible hangover the next day. Come on, somebody. Come on. A seven-day feast, and on the last day, after going through all the religious ceremony, all the religious procession, all the things that religion does but actually doesn't fulfill and satisfy, on that last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let me, let me pause. He stood up and cried out. The Greek word here actually means he screamed. He screamed in the middle of this fest. It's, it's over. Everyone's getting ready to go home. And he stands up and yells out with a scream. If anyone thirsts, because religion won't do it for you. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, oh, you want to know how, how to keep the enemy away from you at all times? Even when you feel a little dry, guess what you get to tap into? He says, 
out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What was he talking about? The living water he was referring to was the Holy Spirit. Woo. I don't understand why American Christians don't believe in the Holy Ghost. No wonder their churches are dry and dying off. Living water is a reference to the living spirit of God. Do you really want to know how to keep tapping into living water? Just keep spending time in the presence of the living God. And when the enemy comes back, because he's going to, oh, I can't even get in there. There's no space here because out of my spirit, not my physical belly, out of my spirit are going to flow rivers. There's no space for you, devil. There's no vacancy for you, devil. There's no room for you, devil. Not just for me, but for my entire family. There's no room. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no room because I'm overflowing with the presence Here's why I'm so excited to tell you this, okay? What day? The last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Guess what today is on the Jewish calendar? October 16th, 2022. Today is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, according to, I can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. Today is the day, 2022 years ago, that we stand that Jesus stood up and said, if anyone is thirsty, today is the day you stop coming to religion and come to me, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Lift your hands with me right now. See, I'm glad you came to church today, but it means nothing if you come to church but don't come to Jesus. Hey, you hear me? It means nothing if you come to church for me or for the worship or to be seen, to go through the religious motions. It means nothing if you're here, but don't actually come to Christ. Because he said, if anyone comes to me, comes to me, whew, I will give him living water. And out of his belly will flow a river, a river, a river, a river. 